Hey everyone, welcome back to the next episode of the Culture Eats Everything podcast. Spoke with Ben Kirby, who's the superintendent of the Lake Orion Community Schools in Michigan. They've got about 7,000 students, and this is his first year as superintendent. He's off to a fantastic start, at least in my opinion. He talks a lot about what it takes to build relationships as the key to building a strong culture. And I love his thoughts on leading with empathy and how really to be an advocate for children, we need to provide dignity to everybody, including the students, teachers, the parents, and the community. And that's important to be focused on the person's intentions and to listen to what they say versus how they say it. Offer some great advice for superintendents or future superintendents, teachers or administrators that want to be a superintendent someday that I think you'll really want to hear. And he offers up two great book recommendations at the very end. Thanks for joining us. All right, Ben, good to see you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be seen, and I appreciate you having me on today. I look forward to our conversation very much. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's always fun to talk to, a, as a former school superintendent myself, it's always fun to talk to a fellow colleague who's in it for the kids, as I say, who's not doing this to make millions of dollars, um, uh, really sees the, the purpose of education. So I'd love to just start you know, with, with that and maybe with the, the topic of culture and how do you think about uh, the value of a, of a culture within a, a school system in particular? Yeah, uh, you know, obviously culture is uh, very, very important. And in each of the three districts in which I've worked, um, it, it has been, um, you know, real, de- real defining and, and relationships have been, you know, the key behind uh, everything that we've done in all of the districts. And, and that really has built a strong culture, um, have worked really hard to not only have great uh, relationships with our staff, but um, our students with our staff, our staff with our staff, uh, and ultimately our central offices with our staff and our board, um, you know, with our central office cabinet team and so on. Um, but yeah, you are exactly right. Um, you know, culture is is the absolute key and it does uh, eat everything. And the bottom line is it's just like a, a schedule in a school. People have lots of conversations about, oh, are we in a four block? Um, are we in seven period day, six period day? And, you know, philosophically to me, it doesn't matter what kind of, uh, what number of periods you have, it, it matters what you're doing in those periods. And that's the same with, the, with culture. We all have schools, but what are we doing within those schools that are making an impact and a difference? Yeah, you, you keyed on a few, few things I think that are, could be fun to talk about one of them that, as I heard you say there, it's, it's less about the tactics, right? It's more about the high level. What are we, what are we actually accomplishing? You know, it's, it's less about how many periods, but you know, how quality is the instruction? How, how intentional is the team? You know, how much are they working together? How much are they collaborating? Um, and I love that you almost immediately touched on this idea of relationships as, as a fundamental component of a strong culture. So what a, what is it that about relationships that you see as important? Well, it's the it's the building of trust. Um, and with trust, you know, and obviously there's collaboration is much stronger. The communication is stronger, and those those are all intertwined. And 
you know, I learned uh, learned a lot about that <clears throat> when I was in Ionia, which is a smaller rural district near uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, we had we had a partnership with the Flippin Group, and uh, they had a process called Capturing Kids' Hearts. And there's kind of we could talk for hours about it, but it uh, they had a leadership uh, blueprint. Um, really made a big difference, um, you know, for me as a professional and as a person. And and from that, from that training, um, not only did I, uh, you know, get a get a great friend out of it and a mentor, uh, but we did bring back their processes into our um, it, to our leadership team, and then uh, throughout our buildings, and ultimately it became part of our new teacher orientation on how to use their processes to really build strong relationships amongst each other and um, with their with their students. Um, so. It's always been a key for me, um, relationships, uh, even you know, now working with the board, uh, the whole communication piece obviously makes the relationship strong. I, I do some very intentional things to try to build those relationships and, and it makes a difference um, for sure. Um, I've been in three school districts and each of those districts, um, I have gone back to the Caption Kids Arts process and the flipping group. Uh, to expose uh, the, the super people within our um, organizations to their processes and really try to uh, help them understand whether or not it's something that could help build our culture to be even stronger. Um, and uh, it has been very well received. Uh, the team that I currently work on or work with is um, relatively new to me. I started this position uh, July 20th uh, this year. So I'm in, in the midst of my first year, and we do have it scheduled uh, that my team, um, some of my team will be going to um, one of their uh, flagship um, um, seminars, and they'll have an opportunity, and it'll be, it'll be great. I, like I said, it was life-changing for me, and, and uh, many people have similar experiences, but it brings back what's necessary to have a, have a positive culture. Yeah, and then ultimately, it's about how do we build relationships, not just amongst our, what we think of as our team, but within the entire community, all the way to uh, parents and students and the extended uh, community. So, so how do you, how do you do that? You know, I, a lot of those trainings are great. You, I've seen, I've seen um, flipping obviously high energy sorts of trainings. You come back from a conference like that or a training like that inspired and pumped up and ready to go. And then at least for me, within a few weeks, I've forgotten most of it, or it's, you know, it's not as, it's not as available to me. And, and it's harder to bring that into an entire organization because, you know, people didn't have the same experience. They weren't there with you. Um, so how do you think about bringing those sorts of ideas to life? Yeah. So, you know, you bring up a good point and part of the value of, of uh, you know, this whole process is it's, it is a process and it touches you personally and really evaluates who you are as a person. Uh, and that's really what gives it, you know, kind of that staying powers because it, it, it does, it changes you, it changes your outlook, it changes, you know, how you um, address individuals. Um, and then uh, as far as the, the other pieces, um, what has made it uh, sustained is that there, there is actually some coaching pieces to it, um, some accountability to it, um, and basically um, learning how to, you know, engage in conversations, um, learning how to run meetings. So again, it's, it's part of how you build your culture, creating your norms and, and, and so on. So 
when you actually have an action plan, which you come away with an action plan, that's what helps sustain it. Um, because you're right, it is very easy to go to a one one day, um, you know, seminar, get very fired up, and then you're going to go save the world. And then the next week, you're in kind of in the same rut. Um, one of the values that that we've seen, I think I had mentioned yet, that our team will be going. So to send a, an individual is nowhere near as powerful as send a team for accountability. And so that has been a strategy that has been, um, you know, that I've utilized is to have accountability partners there so we can continue uh, to pursue the processes and the things that we feel are necessary to move our uh, organization forward. And what's, uh, I like the word accountability partners, but it means different things to different people. How do you, how do you think about it? What does it mean to you? Well, to me, in, in my practice, it's, it's been having somebody uh, to go to to talk about how things are going, um, the action steps that I said that I'm taking, um, relaying uh, what my progress has been, and also having that person come to me and, and you know, check with me and see how I'm doing, um, giving, giving me some, um, you know, updates along the way um, or listening to my updates along the way just to keep, uh, keep the ideas um, and the strategies, you know, on the, on the front burner for what, uh, what we're implementing. Yeah. It's and to, to ultimately hold you accountable to, to do it in a, what we call a supportive way. You know, we tend to think of, I think in most organizations, we think of accountability and we think of blame, or we think of, you know, a lot of times we'll hear our clients say somebody needs to be held accountable, which is sort of code for somebody needs to be fired. Right. 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 Somebody's in trouble. Somebody's in trouble. Exactly. Which removes, I think, the whole point and the whole value of accountability is that ultimately you can be supportive to somebody by holding them accountable. Um, the key is to make sure it's their idea, make sure you're supporting them in something that they want to do. Um, sure. Sure. As opposed, as opposed to the old model of, you know, just do what I tell you, you know. Yeah, very similar to the word consequences that typically has a negative connotation, but it, it certainly has positive connotations as well, um, but, but very similar. So, And in your case, um, as you think about the, the, extended play, the extended community that you serve, you know, we're, we're kind of hopefully coming out of this pandemic. It's, you know, it's March 2021. Um, I would imagine it's been a pretty tough year, especially for you as a, as a, as a newbie to the, uh, to Lake Orion there. Um, how have you gone about building relationships with your parents when I would imagine some of them, you know, want to be in school, some don't want to be in school. There's some in the middle. You're, you're, you're trying to balance this entire uh, challenge, like being stuck between a rock and a hard place. How have you, how have you built the relationships at that level? Yeah, it has been um, very, very different. You know, I, I came to the district um, completely new. I had no relationships and I knew one person in the district. Uh, so <clears throat> I had the ability to make my own first impression, which is a great thing, um, you know, for anybody to be able to do that. And um, as far as building uh, the relationships and reaching out, when I first started, I had a transition plan and I had a number of key people that I wanted to meet and we're in the middle of COVID, right? So, you know, it's not like you can go to lunch and meet somebody or bring 10 people together in a room. So I had somewhere between 40 and 50 individual meetings with uh, community members, some I had, I, that I had identified 
Um, some that I had when I sat down with my seven board members and had individual meetings, they identified as, you know, key players in the, in the community and, and whatnot. I've got some, some visions around how to get community feedback on a regular basis from, you know, a, a select group or an identified group to help support our students. So I had those 40 to 50, you know, individual meetings. Um, I've also um, had weekly communications that we've sent out to the community, giving updates. You know, obviously the first one was, you know, introducing who I am and what's important to me and those types of things. Um, but we've continued to keep that, um, you know, that kind of, that constant communication there. They know every Friday they're going to get something from from me in the district level. Um, and then, you know, certainly all of our board meetings are. Um, are uh, broadcasted live on our um, cable channels. So people see that. We've also tried to maintain a Twitter presence um, and communicating out through uh, videos and some different different ways to, um, you know, communicate the families, not only in the written word, but so that they can see the tone and so they can see the person and those types of things. As this pandemic has uh, started to release itself a little bit, you know, we, we are um, in, in an in-person schedule um, so we've had our sports going for some time. We've had, you know, smaller uh, performances and things of that nature are going. So I have been, you know, out in, in doing those types of things so that I can, you know, meet people and, and so on. I've also um, worked through um, a new tool that I recently came across called Thought Exchange, which gives us an opportunity to uh, reach out to um, the community around one compelling question, um, which we did utilize just recently to help us make some decisions about how we should move forward with the amount of instructional time that we have in person for our students. And that was really powerful and the engagement within the community was extremely high. We, we had um, you know, nearly 3,000 uh, people participate um, in that thought exchange, which was a very high number. We have about 7,000 students um, and so, yeah, those are some of the things, you know, that I've done, uh, you know, outside of, you know, meeting it with groups on Zoom and stuff like that. Um, you know, certainly, I think we've all been doing that. I think we all have, you know, Zoom fatigue, so to speak, by the time you're done with your day, because that's how you're meeting so often. But um, I also just getting out to the buildings, um, like I said, with us being in person, it's um, been good for me, uh, you know, being there at drop off, pick up. Um, those types of things, seeing families helping, you know, helping, you know, kids out the, the car, opening the doors for them, making sure they did their health screening for the day, you know, all of those things that, that happen. So um, those are the types of things that, that I've been trying to do on a daily and weekly basis. That's a lot. I and mean, it's a, a lot of that falls in the category of the communication, which is sure. oftentimes the number one complaint that we hear across the country is, you know, communication is a problem here. And it it means everything, but it means nothing. You know, it's, it's really contextual, it depends on your particular organization. And you said within that, this idea that it's, it's not just about the words, it's about the tone mm-hmm. um, and about what I would say, or what I would call sort of who you're being, um, that, you know, by you being there to receive kids in the morning, that sends a message much more powerful than any crafted sentence you could put together. Um, sure. So as you think about that, as you think about uh, tone and and who you're being, how do you how do you think about that as it relates to leadership? What's the value of of who you're being versus what you do as a leader? Yeah, that's a it's a really good question, and I really 
has a lot to do with the type of culture you're able to uh, continue to have too. And so, um, you know, as part of my being, um, I try to be very calm, uh, you know, for one and, and really patient and be um, an un- understanding and good listener. Um, you know, I certainly have my, my beliefs and my philosophies, um, but I also recognize that there are many others, you know, on my team and my community that need to be heard and want to be heard. And oftentimes, you know, having, giving them just a little bit of extra time has helped them, um, you know, get things off the chest. Certainly during this pandemic, there's a lot of need for people to express their opinions um, and that's oftentimes, um, you know, re- really helpful. So as far as, you know, me being, it is me being present, me being approachable, me being a listener, um, and me being somebody that is going to help them solve whatever issue that it is or get them to the resources that would help them solve whatever issue that it is. As a superintendent of schools, as, as well as a CEO and organizations, you're uh, constantly managing conflict. Um, and so to do that with calm and confidence is really essential. Um, you know, there's times that you come away from a situation and, you know, your heart's just racing, but you just want to make sure that, you know, those that you're, you know, working with don't, don't recognize that, that elevated, you know, excitement energy in a, in a negative way. Um, you know, unless of course you're trying to motivate and, and all those things, but you get yourself in, um, situations and people have these conflicts or they want to make their, their uh, crisis your priority. And you just really need to try to manage that conflict and get them to the, the place they need to be to help solve their issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you, I think what I hear in that is how do you use the emotions versus the emotions using you? You know, how do you capture the energy in a way that's productive um, and a way that's thoughtful that, sure either uh, invites people to participate, to talk, to, or to inspire others versus having a reaction, you know, to something that somebody said. Yeah, agreed. Um, You mentioned, uh, you mentioned conflict, and I would imagine there's been quite a bit of it this year, uh, especially as, as parents maybe have disagreed about being in person or not being in person. How do you, how do you, uh, what advice would you give to other school superintendents or uh, as they as they work through these those types of conflicts, well, I think you have to you know lead with empathy and and you know be understanding and and understand that that people are coming with the best intentions. So we we never can fault anybody for uh, advocating for their children, um, and I think that we need to make sure that we um, dignify those those parents that are coming to us. Um, this pandemic has you know, such a divide, you know, either people think that this isn't real, we don't need to wear masks, or they think that they need to, you know, be holed up in a cave somewhere, um, you know, so that they don't get COVID. And there's some in between, but there really seems to be, you know, two ends of the pendulum on this, um, this whole pandemic. So, uh, again, not, uh, not getting too excited about one side or the other and and listening and trying to figure out how you can empathize and, and support um, regardless of what end of that pendulum you're on is really important. It's also been, uh, you know, uh, something that we've had to really navigate through. Um, you know, are we emphasizing that people need to get the vaccine or are we making it available to our employees, like by providing resources or are we telling people that they have to have it? I mean, all of those little things make a big difference and people, um, 
you know, developing uh, an opinion about you as a leader and, oh, they don't have the same beliefs as me, or they do have the same beliefs as me. And, and ultimately, you know, you're like every step, you have to be very thoughtful because people, especially, the, you know, being new in a position and coming into this, I have no equity with anybody. So everything that I'm doing is building that, you know, that first impression and that, um, you know, those bags of equity. And, you know, so I don't really have much to, to, to withdraw because I haven't had a lot of deposits. So um, I got to be very uh, thoughtful in, in, in the words I say and in the actions that I, that I do. And ultimately I am who I am. And, um, you know, I do recognize that. Um, but I also uh, try to recognize uh, the perspective that people are communicating me with as well. Yeah, I, I love that. It's an it's a acknowledgement of who you are is who you are. And as a leader, we don't always get to be stuck in our how we are. We have to, we have sure. to adapt to the world around us. We have to adapt to the people around us uh, mm -hmm. in order to meet them where they are. And I love that idea of, of leading with, with empathy. So let's, let's get real for a second here, Ben. Then what about that parent or that teacher maybe, or that community member? That's just that thorn in your side. You know, that's um, I know I had them uh, that just, it just, just doesn't matter what you say. They seem to be out to get you. How do you, how do you find your, your empathy for folks like that? Uh, again, I, I, I will always approach that, that people are coming with good intentions. And certainly I try to read through what it is they're saying rather than how they're saying it. Um, I, I think, you know, whether you get it 22 times or you get it two times, um, I think you still have to um, provide dignity for that person. Um, you know, continue to, you know, stand that higher ground. Um, but I do think it's essential that you continue to listen. Um, and, you know, if they, they are way off base after you're done listening, I think there are times that, that it warrants uh, providing additional information so that they can at least get back closer to reality. Um, you know, because certainly people will come with some extreme thoughts and beliefs and, and oftentimes they're way off but giving them the opportunity to share those things and then kind of walking back on a few, um, a few of their uh, thoughts to, to give them uh, more accurate information without telling them they're wrong is really, it's kind of that difficult balancing act, but that is what you have to do. And, and the other pieces is asking them like what their solutions are um, and, and asking them some further probing questions when they provide a solution that's, you know, way out there that, organizationally and operationally doesn't work. Yeah, you know, some follow-ups, some digging deepers about, well, if we did this, that would impact my transportation department. Do you have any thoughts on where I can get 27 bus drivers by Monday? You know, something, you know, not, not that um, exaggerate, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but uh, people that don't work in schools don't necessarily understand how everything is so complex. And it's like any other organization, but um, because people went to school, oftentimes they feel like they could run a school or they know how to, you know, do X, Y, and Z because they, they spend a lot of their life in a school. Uh, but they forget about, you know, a lot of the things that we have a responsibility to, um, you know, with food service, transportation, uh, intervention programs, and all of the other, you know, pieces that are outside of the regular classroom uh, teacher that make our organization great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I always love that line too. That um, just because you went to school doesn't mean that 
you know what it what it means to run a school and that's the one it's the one sort of common element that most people have is that they did go to school right um which is different than most other industries most other jobs is that's not always the case so uh, it's it's kind of like the old the uh, old uh, little league feeling, you know. You get and I was one of those dads, but you know, you get us dads that are coaching, and we used to play baseball, so we know everything, right? And so it becomes this big thing, but it just you see it there too. It's kind of funny, but um, thankfully I'm out of that little league scene now, and uh, don't have to worry about baseball practices anymore. But I got my youngest is starting t-ball in a few weeks, actually, so. I'm sure I'll be that same parent in, in just yep. short, very short time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so just a couple more questions that time's kind of flying by here, Ben. Um, one is, you know, what advice do you have for uh, aspiring superintendents, you know, for maybe a teacher out there or a, an executive member who's, uh, you know, wants to be a superintendent one day or maybe is thinking about it? Yeah, as far as advice for them, I would really encourage them to do some shadowing and really understand the position and what it is that they are, um, they think that they, they want. Um, you know, every position that I've been in has been different, and I never really realized what it was until I got into it. When I was an assistant principal and I knew I wanted to be a principal, you know, I, I made some efforts to, you know, do some shadowing and fill in for principalships and whatnot. And that helped me develop that. Yes, I do want to be a principal, but I recognize that pulling away from an assistant principal, I now am working more with adults as a principal. And then when I went from being a middle school principal, going to a high school principal, I then also recognized that I was working with fewer adults. Now I was working with more department heads and, and leaders that were coming to me. And then as I went to central office, kind of the same thing, you know, you kind of get that sh- shorter and smaller uh, group that you work with and you have to be comfortable knowing that your circle is going to get smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter and that you um, have the, um, you know, the, the confidence and the, the willingness to be able to, um, you know, manage conflict, um, deal with people. Um, and there are rewards, but there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of, you know, different, you know, conflicts and, and things that you're dealing with. And the, the further you go up the hierarchy, basically, um, the smaller your circle gets, the, you have a larger influence, but you're getting further and further from students. And you're getting further and further from your everyday teachers, too. And people have to make sure that they're ready for that because that is different uh, for, um, for, for everyone, how they feel about, you know, can they get away from kids, um, you know, or, or not work with kids every single day. You know, in this position, I still have an opportunity to, you know, work with kids because I get to, you know, go, go to the buildings, walk the hallways, go in classrooms, read in classrooms and things like that. But that's different than me uh, inspiring them every day. Um, and so you just have to know that you're ready to leave one thing and do do another. And I, I would I think you can do that through some um, intentional shadowing, really walking in the footsteps for at least a day. Um, you can talk to people about it, but, you know, you feel it when you're you know in it as well. Yeah, well, there's so many valuable leadership lessons in that, too, that as you go rise up through the ranks, you have to be better at leading. You have to be better at getting work done through other people, as mm-hmm. opposed to doing the work yourself. And as your circle gets smaller and smaller, your, your need to influence um, is, is much more important. 
Um, yeah. So, yeah. Great. Well, yeah. And I just, if I could just add to that, you know, when I took this position as uh, superintendent, I, I had uh, 14 years in a central office position. And it, frankly, the, those, each of those years, I was the doer, like I was getting everything done. I was doing the operations curriculum and all of those different things. And so coming to this position, having a cabinet and, and me having, you know, a director of finance and operations and, and a teaching and learning and a human resource person and saying, this is, this is what we want to accomplish. Report back to me, let me know how, it, how it's going by the end of the week. That is a different feeling than being in the weeds and getting that work done. And you have to be able to, and it really hit me after the first couple of weeks. I just, you know, it's kind of like, geez, usually I have this long task list that I'm doing and I got to check it off. And that's how I'm feeling my, you know, my worth. And, and so you've got to figure that out and be comfortable with that. So it's really, you got to know who you are too. Um, and w- what you can handle and, and let go of uh, is really important. Uh, it's, yeah. It's like you're rewiring your DNA, right? It's like you're rewiring all the things you learned over the years. I was and the fact that you figured out in a few weeks is impressive, but it took me, I was, I was 34 when I became the school soup. And I think it took me about two years to figure that out. That's uh, that my job was no longer to fix stuff and to do stuff that my job was to, to lead and inspire and to help people be successful. Um, right. So my hat's off to you for that. So last question is uh, what, what book are you reading right now, or maybe what book is one of your favorites that you'd recommend to others read? What, uh, what what advice would you give on the book front? You know, one of the books that I I really really um, that that I really like is uh, Cage Busting Leadership, um, and I don't remember who the author is of it, but um, it was a. Have you ever read that book? No, I haven't. I've heard of it, but um, yeah, good stuff. I've heard. Yeah, no, it's really good, and it's just about thinking, thinking differently, um, about, you know, how you, how you do your work and, um, you know, trying to make decisions that, you know, n- not making decisions just because they've always been made that way. Um, you know, that was, that was really, you know, the, the piece that came out of that and it really, um, encourages you to ask questions, you know, like why and, and those types of things And the book, I, I guess that I would share with you, um, um, that Flip Flippin is uh, co-author of is uh, called your, your Third Story. Have you ever read that? No, I haven't. Okay, so you, yeah, that's a really good one. Again, just about um, being a person and your development as a person and the impact that you can have with your life and what you want to do with that. Um, I really, and I know I talked a, a lot about the Flippin group and whatnot, but they have been really um, you know, important in my development and in some of the, uh, one of the presenters by the name of Vern Hazard, actually, he's a one that I look to as a mentor. And it really came from our first training back in 2008. We made this bond, um, which is a whole nother hour long conversation that we could have, but that, that your third story really helps you again, focus on what's important to you as a person in life. And so I would, I would, um, yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that book. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ben, it's great to be with you. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. And um, you have a wonderful rest of your week. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. Take good care.